my flavor in the world is very much like nothing's off limits. Like we can talk about anything. I mean, I obviously don't want to trigger people too much. I mean, but that is, it's like for me, any triggers, I'm just like, let's look at what that, like, why are you triggered? Why is there a reactivity? So, um, so yeah, like full permission to go anywhere. <laughs> I love it. No, mm-hmm. it is, it's very true. And I mean, we can <clears throat> sort of just dive into it and see where things begin, but understanding like what a trigger is actually indicating was massive for me in terms of like letting go of stories of the past and being able to take in knowledge and information that was actually productive to my future and just like shifting everything versus hiding and running away and dismissing anything that triggered me. And it was interesting also to feel into like how much of that trigger sensation was not just in the mind, but in the body too, you know, like if you pay attention, it's not just that some things used to make me frustrated or trigger some anger, but they would trigger like the physical response too. And understanding that was so interesting. So I love that you brought that up as well. Yeah. But I wanted to start with officially in, with your Instagram in the bio, it says right from the start, using the body to unwind the mind. And Mm -hmm. I want to just sort of dive into what that means to you as we enter this conversation and kind of let it flow from there. I love that. Yeah. So I, I spent so long just in my life studying the body from like an objective perspective. You know, I was a clinician. I was an emergency medical technician, like running around on the ambulance, helping people. And so I was really curious about the body and I got my PhD in kinesiology. I studied biomechanics where we put, have you ever seen those like retro reflective markers, like the little reflective balls they put on people when they're, when they're trying to put them in video games or something or like a, Yeah. 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 So that's what I did for my dissertation. So we're literally studying the angles and the joints and the forces of the body. And so I had this very left brain, like scientific approach to understanding the body. And then once I was like, okay, I get it. And when I'm working with people one-on-one, when I'm teaching students, it there's just something more than just, hey, why does my hip hurt? Oh, because maybe your knee angle or your foot angle or the shoulder or you're not walking correctly or your step is too big. Like We have all of these processes as clinicians to objectively observe the body and say, hey, this is probably what's going on. But what I found in the culture of of clinical work is we're all really afraid to go into the emotional component because it's very subjective and a little sticky and you can't quite measure it yet. And, And so I just decided to be courageous and ask questions about, okay, what emotional... What, what, how are you feeling, you know, student or athlete that I'm dealing with right now? What's going on in your life? And I started creating these correlations between, oh, your hip is hurting and this is what's going on in your life. Or, oh, whenever you're shallow breathing and you don't have a lot of energy, you got a lot of stress in your system. And, um, and I, I, I just started like forgetting everything I had ever learned and then relearning it by studying the humanness of people and and deciding 
you know what? I think that we've been indoctrinated, like sure, angles and joints and bones, those are very physical things we can measure. But I think we've been indoctrinated to think like cause and effect or if this and then that. And the human body is not a binary. The human body is not a program. The human body is so complex. And so I just started to dive into the complexity. And the more I dove in, the more I found like emotions are bigger, but trauma is bigger. Fear has a bigger influence on our on our biomechanics, on the way our body moves than even our foot angle or the rise in our shoe heel or how, how much we are contracting our core. You know, I just, I just, and so using the body to unwind the mind is something I really, um, an easy way to explain kind of what I do, which is like, I'm not going mind first. We talk to the mind enough to make someone feel safe. Like here's what we're going to (laughs) do. And it's kind of like psychology in your body. Um, But then I just focus on the nervous system and I say, hey, oftentimes most of us have some sort of trauma, even if it's even if it's not like your classic. I know we love to compare trauma as a human society of like, well, I wasn't, you know, this or that I wasn't molested or I wasn't killed. I didn't witness death. So I'm not traumatized. It's like, no, any anything where your body was in a fear state. Um, even if it was like you were in the grocery store when you were three and you didn't know where mommy was, like that lives in your system. So we oftentimes will react in the present as if it's the past. And that's, that's what I'm trying to capture. And that's the modality that I use in order to um, help people unwind their bodies and unwind their minds. Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. (laughs) First, I want to start with when you started asking people like, how do you feel when you, when you brought that emotional piece into the work you were doing before, how did people generally react and respond to that? Given the fact, like you said, that's not, I don't, I can't remember the last time I had a practitioner of any sort ask me like on the emotional scale where I was at. So many people just started crying. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) It was like this relief of like our bodies know it's like, Oh, my knee hurts or I don't know. How, how are you feeling? And then people are like, oh my gosh, there's this relief of that's, that's all I want to say. And, and oftentimes we just need to speak the stories and then we start to feel better. I, I really believe I have this phrase that I use that we're heavy and we're tired because we're full of stories. <laughs> and so when we're able to say and just kind of discharge this tension of, either the things that are true or the things that we're afraid are true with which both can create charge in our system. For example, um, something that is true can be like, oh, I'm really afraid to, I'm really nervous about this particular soccer game that I'm about to play because my parents are in the crowd. So just saying that versus like, I'm holding that energy in of like nerves and anxiety and proving myself to my parents. And that just lives in the body and creates a tension field in the body. Or something that you're afraid is true is, I mean, I'm going to be dramatic, but um, like my family only loves me if I can perform well. (laughs) And so saying, giving the athlete, giving the patient a chance to say both, giving yourself a chance to say all of that discharges it from your body and you realize it's just a story. So we we really 
create so many stories that affect our bodies. And so that's how our mind affects our bodies is we think, oh, this person's judging me, but we don't have any, we can't be in their mind. We have no facts about that unless they explicitly say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm judging you. And so it's just this projection. Most of our fears are our projections, especially as they relate to like social interaction. And so I'm like, yo, everyone's just got their own unique story. And if we just start actually saying, hey, I'm feeling this right now and create this dialogue with the other person that you might be triggered by or affected by, you discharge it, you feel more peace in your body, you can breathe well, your body's healthier, you don't have as much sympathetic response in your system and you can enjoy life. So the goal of my work is more bliss, more joy, more peace. And it's not for bypassing the horror, the fear, the trauma, the dark. It's integration of all of that, speaking it out and um and letting it letting it all be. That's it. Just letting it be without judgment. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And so you're saying that the body might feel weighed down it might have aches and pains it might just be like all of these things occurring and happening because whether it's traumas from our past or stories that we're like holding on to things that we're just kind of creating in our mind are I guess they would be like triggering the nervous system to react Mm -hmm. in those ways that's then Mm -hmm. causing the physical reaction and so the work you do is to like release those so yeah, that the system like rewires essentially. Yeah, you know, it's um it's definitely a process and there's definitely layers. So we can go into someone's fear of being seen, for example. And they might state, "Hey, I'm really afraid to be seen." Okay, why? Because someone might judge me. Okay, great. Let's go into the places where you judge yourself. Hmm. Okay, I'm afraid to be seen because someone might judge me. Okay, great. Let's go into all the places where you think it's more important for other people to accept you than it is for you to accept you. So there's so many categories. And so each one of those is a whole storyline from your history, from stories that the media told you, from stories that your family told you. And so if we follow those threads, there's so much rich information and so it helps when the mind conceptually understands, but you're you're you asked about the tension in the body. And so um, that tension in the body, I call it when you breathe in and you feel like I can't, you've ever like had really shallow breathing. You're like, you're really afraid and you're like, oh God, I can't breathe. Maybe most people kind of live in that state in any given moment. So if you're listening now, just take a deep breath and feel like how big is the straw when you're breathing in and breathing out? You know, can you just, is it like a healthy breath or is it like, you really have to pull in this like coffee straw of air. <laughs> and so if there's a coffee straw there, you're, you're in a tension field, which means that you've got some past stories existing right now in this present moment. And so maybe it's because you're driving in a car and, and maybe you have a past history of driving in the car or you've got a may there's a safe, there's little safety issues going on right now. And so there's these like present fears, past fears that create tension fields in our body. And so what I try to get after is, okay, if you're literally in danger, it's okay to have a sympathetic response. That's why it exists. You know, if there's a bear coming after you or if you're, if you're in a car and you want to, you know, make sure that you're safe 
or someone like pulled pulled into your lane, like that is what the fear response is made for. That sympathetic response, your pupils dilate, your breath, your you get more blood to the the skeletal muscle so you can run so that you can move. You're not digesting food. And so that's great when you need to run away or you need to make a quick impulsive decision to save you or the people you love's life. But when we're just chilling at a party and we're hanging out with our friends and someone and like we've got that same response, there's no actual physical threat. So what is going on? And so it's just this this perceived threat of hey, <laughs> I I I I'm thinking that if I'm not accepted in this community, I'm going to be rejected. And so community makes me feel safe. And if I'm seen in this community and I'm accepted, then I'm safe. And so right now, so I said something and that person blinked a certain way. And so so maybe they're going to kick me out of the community. And literally all of this is happening in the subconscious or maybe in the conscious mind, but it's creating a panic response that's not necessarily true. And so we're all living in these panic responses that aren't necessarily true. And so my goal is to make people aware of that. And so I teach a practice called uh, that I created called a spirokinetic breath. And so it means breath movement. And so um, basically I just help people detect when they're in that tension field. Mm-hmm. And so, and then there's a process to move through it. And so that's what I teach at, um, at body church. So I created something called body church. And so we practice the spirokinetic breath at this experience called body church. Can you explain what the um, spirokinetic breath? I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, you did. (laughs) But um, Could you explain? Okay. So I love this because I, I've been on this own journey of like trying to become aware of when I'm entering those states mm-hmm. and picking up on when my shoulders are bunched, when my breathing goes shallow, um, just as someone with a long history with anxiety and all of these very tumultuous inward sensations that have mm-hmm. just, I feel have disconnected me from my body in a lot of ways. So I'm trying to bring that awareness in, right? And I'm getting better and better at identifying those moments, but it still is usually after like an hour, a couple hours, sometimes a couple days where I'm just like, wow, I have been shallow breathing. I have been like running nonstop. I've been acting in all of these very, just like not very grounded in body ways. And so it, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not the easiest thing to always be aware of that. And I also feel very grateful to have a lot of tools and support and people in my life. So I don't, I can't imagine how maybe just like anyone that doesn't have all this available is feeling in that sense. So could you explain a bit what the breath is if you're able to, and like without being in person with people Mm -hmm. and then maybe just like a few, if there's any other tips for building that awareness, reconnecting with the body, like whatever Mm -hmm. we can do to really ground down again. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's such a common experience what you're experiencing of like, Ooh, it's been a couple of days and I just have really, finally I have a moment or maybe it's when you lay down to go to sleep or you're finally pausing and you're just like, Oh, Whoa, I can actually feel. So it requires a lot of stillness, which mm. is terrifying 
you know, stillness, we feel <laughs> we are not distracted. And so we have so many distractions now. So my first uh, recommendation is to just find a moment, you know, you can set a timer for two minutes and, and like, I'm going to be still and quiet and just with myself for two minutes. And that's where everything, you start to feel everything. So even that can be quite overwhelming for people. So start really small. It's not like I need to sit down for an hour and be still. No, no, no. Just two minutes. Trust me. Um, so the breath basically, um, and we, we can do it together now too. So you take a full breath in like all the way, like you're going to fill up, like you're trying to open your lungs as full as possible. So suck all the way in and then all the way out, like you're trying to squeeze out all of your air. So it's going to feel like your rib cage is like getting smaller, smaller. You might roll forward a little bit and like squeeze out your lungs. And then again, inhale, this time paying attention to when that inhale feels easy. When it starts to get tension, it's like, ooh, I kind of have to pull a little bit through some resistance. And then it gets really hard at the top, right? You're like trying to fit more air in your, in your lungs. And then same on the exhale. So it'll be like, ah, it'll fall out of your lungs. And then you start to have to force it a little bit. And then you really have to be like, and start to force it out a lot. And so that's the premise, very simple. You have like easy, medium, hard breath. That's the premise of the spirokinetic practice. So what we do, what we tend to do when we're just breathing normally, maybe we take a full breath and we're like, God, it doesn't feel satisfying. You ever like take a deep breath and you're like, I feel like I can't, like I, I want to, like I really just wish I could stretch my lungs. It's actually not your lungs, it's your diaphragm. So there's tension on your diaphragm that's pre- preventing your full inhalation. So this is what we are targeting. And so what I have people do is as they inhale, there's like the easy, as they reach the medium, I have them recognize that tension is living in the breath, but it wants to be expressed through the body. So what I do is I invite them to, as they breathe in, as they suck in and the straw starts getting smaller, put tension in your body. So almost like, you know, that, that yawn you take first thing in the morning, that like stretch where it's like this, like I'm moving and stretching and it's also kind of like tension in my arms. That's the kind of tension I, I invite people to put in their body. So it's going to be like inhaling and then as you put tension into your body, you keep breathing in, keep breathing in. And what happens there is your body gets to express the tension. It's no longer, it's no longer what it's like, um, say when we were two years old, we really wanted to run away. There was a moment where like our parents yelled at us and we just wanted to run away, but that wasn't allowed. So that moment is actually stuck like a fracture in our body. And so we, every time now that someone yells at us, our legs get tight, our hips lock up and our breath gets shallow because it reminds us we're getting put right back to the past moment where we didn't get to run away. So our body is like, run away, run away, run away, run away. But we can't because we're at a work meeting and it's not appropriate. So you go to the bathroom, you breathe in and you let your body, especially your legs, if it was a runaway, you like push your legs into the ground, put tension in your body as you're breathing in. And it starts to tune. And the word is entrain. So it entrains your nervous system to a more parasympathetic state by expressing 
through your body, the thing that you never got to express when you were younger. And so it's bringing the past into the present moment, but because you're, you're focusing on the breath, you're always breathing in, always breathing out, you are able to control. So your present self is saying, I'm, I'm breathing. I'm not going to stop breathing. I'm going to keep breathing, but I'm going to let my body thrash against my breath. I'm going to let my body express. I'm going to let my body be so wild, but I'm not going to let it carry me away. I'm not going to get carried away in the emotional expression because I've got this inhale and this exhale. That's like a metronome, which is the thing that they like keep time in, in like a piano lessons, you know, mm-hmm. I've got this metronome keeping me safe. I've, it's like me holding me so that my body can unwind. So yeah, it's a really beautiful, safe way to, and it's so easy. I do it like, if I, I do it like, like I just got back from um, uh, New York city. Um, I was doing a, a show there and oh my gosh, planes are so difficult for me. There's so many people and so much like noise. And so I've got my like, my like noise canceling headphones there and everything that I can possibly do to like keep out all of the chaos, but it still affects me. So as soon as I get off the plane, I go to the bathroom and I do this and I like, I'm in the bathroom just like, like shaking my body and twisting and unwinding and letting all of that panic be expressed in my body. But because I have that spirokinetic breath, I don't get carried away in it. You know, I don't go, I don't go manic. I, I just, I'm like, okay, here's two minutes. I'm going to express this. I hope the person in the next stall is like, cool. <laughs> and so, so that is the premise of the spirokinetic breath. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that just, it makes so much sense when you explain it that way. I'm even thinking mm-hmm. all the times we're children and whether it's with parents or we're in school, like how often we're told to hold our voice, hold our thoughts, you know, stifle the voice in that way. But especially also, I guess, with body expression, just if you do act in any sort of like expression out there, wild way, it's you're throwing a tantrum and you're being bad and you're doing this. And it's just like knocked down, 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 down. And I mean, even watching you speak in the way that you move so fluidly in your body and you're just like so freely expressing, I feel like I can do that with my hands, but the rest of my body, I just, I get so stuck and stagnant and Um, so yeah, it's just so interesting to think of it that way of like, how does your body want to express and move? And the fact that you can intentionally allow it to do that in these moments. And as you said, like in train, or I think that's the word in train, the nervous system. And I suppose that's sort of like an idea of retraining it so that it's taking that past into the present and making like a little sticky note of like, Hey, moving forward, this is safe. Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's interesting that you notice the way that I move. A lot of people mention that and it wasn't always that way. You know, I've, um, I was a, I, I taught at the university level and I have, I've been in like acting and, and performance for a while. And I always in the past, before I discovered the spirokinetics practice and decided to stop like caring what people think really, <laughs> um, I always was aware of my body posture, like make sure that you look like you're listening. And, and then I forgot all of that. And I actually, it's like, <laughs> and I just, I just exist how my body wants to exist. And it, it's beautiful because it often gives people permission to be like, oh, 
it's so enchanting to watch you talk because your hands are moving and your face is so expressive and and it wasn't always that way and so i really thank body church and the practice for and it's not conscious at all i just am like in my body i really it's like my soul has like stretched into all the little like spots and is like if my body was a spandex suit for my soul it's not it's no longer just like a, a suit that's too big and it's like trying so desperately to like move it it's like i'm actually the right size for in my skin for my soul to to speak me and um I don't know if that's creepy, but <laughs> no, I, it, it's made, it made me think of, I do, um, network spinal. Yes. I, wow. Yeah. I just started, but it, it's the first time I thought of the concept of like the ratio between body size and soul. Yes. And I'm, so I'm just beginning to explore like the depths of that and get out of the mind for it all. But, um, but that's kind of what it made me think of is just like oh. how cool and fluid it would feel to have that ratio maybe be a bit more. Uh, you know, aligned versus being all like closed up inside in like a little huddled up fetus position. So um, I love that. I love that you found Mm -hmm. that and that people get to see that as well. And I am curious when it, I mean, talking about soul, all this stuff now, you mentioned in the the podcast that I heard you in before this bit about how intuition can really like come into play when people are getting more in the body and doing this type of work. And so I'd love to hear a bit more about that just as far as it goes is like when we're spending less time in the mind, less time mm-hmm. living by stories and past and whatnot, I suppose that does allow us to connect more with the present and more with our intuition and like what that soul body is trying to tell us. So could you expand a bit upon that? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So we've got just like nature um we're driven by this by desire and by intuition and so intuition is this sense of uh, you know you've heard of the third eye maybe in some of these um these systems to explain the body the third eye <clears throat> which people have thought is like we represent it as this like little part between our forehead but actually i really believe the third eye is your body. (laughs) And so it's like, you've got all these eyes. Imagine if you were covered in eyes in your skin. And so we're able to see with our bodies. So um, it's similar to when people who have loss of vision or who are blind are able to navigate around the world. They've got some sense of like, what are they sensing? You know, it's not just, if we, if you and I closed our eyes and used a stick, a blind like cane to navigate the world, we would eat shit all the time. (laughs) But there's this sense of like, okay, I'm sensing the energies, the essence of other people and buildings and, and, and animals can have that sense as well. They're deeply in their intuitive sensing and we can too. But when we're so in our mind, it's shut off. When we're so in our fear body, it's shut off. And so if you imagine the relationship between your brain and your body as like, um, as like if your brain had a map of your body. Have you ever seen those those uh, cell phone commercials where it's like Verizon, we've got this much coverage, <laughs> you know? And it's like this lit up map of America or the world. Um, our brain has that too of our body. And so when we're, when we're in a fear state, we can't be lit up. Our brain can't be lit up. And so we've got this map 
of our body that our brain with our, even with our eyes closed, our brain is like, okay, I can feel my hands. I can feel my nose, but I can't really feel my left leg. And so that part, the map of your left leg will look dark on the map of your brain. In science, we call that proprioceptive awareness. So the the brain, the body's awareness of itself is called proprioception. And so, um, <laughs> so as you start to embark on uncovering why your left leg is dark, why, why can't my brain sense my left leg? You might always trip. You might always sprain your left ankle. You might always bang your knee, left knee into the coffee table because your brain is like trying to operate like a, like a construction piece of construction equipment, this left leg that's like not really well connected. And so as we start to explore, so fear, fear is the number one reason why we don't have access, proprioceptive access between our brain and our body. It's like the highway is disconnected. So as we go into that fear, we're able to illuminate, yeah, the fear, it's scary. That's why people don't go into it. They're like, I'd rather just be dark. Thanks. I'd rather just stay in my mind. It's safer here. It's not actually. Um, As we go into that, we meet the places that were scary. So it takes a lot of courage to go in. We'll find like, oh shit, this was from when I was two years old. This is really scary. And it feels, it feels so real. And now I'm experiencing the past and the present. And oh my gosh, this is scary. This is scary. But if you have someone to hold space or you can hold space for yourself, ideally you have someone to hold space for you to move through that fear and into freedom and into like, oh, I'm safe now though. Then your left leg comes back online. The brain now has like lit up and it's like full coverage, you know, like T-Mobile or Verizon or, you know. And so now you have full coverage. Now you have access. Now you have service in your leg. Whereas before, because of fear, because of trauma, you didn't have that. And so some of the symptoms of a of low coverage, <laughs> low, low service in your body is... Um, swelling is pain, tenderness is clumsiness or lack of coordination. It's tension in the body. So like tight hamstrings or tight knees. Um, it's yeah. A lack of coordination is a big one. So like, can you dance? Can you move your body in spirals? Uh, so the more that you're able to have full coverage, full awareness in your body, Uh, the more your body will, your body's intuition will come online. Meaning I know where I'm supposed to be at all times. You know, I can feel, I can feel the energy of a certain situation. I can feel the energy of a certain body. I can sense. So if you and I were in person and I mean, even you were not in person because of quantum physics, it's okay. It's another conversation, but um, (laughs) quantum entanglement. And that's so not this conversation, but um just for the sake of like practicality, if we were in person, I could feel where in your body, where the highway is disconnected, or maybe you have a lack of harmony in your body. And you've seen people like kind of put put your put their hands around people and sense like, oh, right here, what's going on in your heart? Or, ooh, what's going on in your spine? Or, oh, I can, f- my, my heart hurts because I get, what's going on in your life? I feel sad at, So we have this entanglement with each other. We have this ability to sense each other. And that leads to, I mean, it's, it's our intuition. It's our third eye. It's our body's eyeballs. 
but it leads to more compassion. And so right now we're living in a in a time where we're lacking compassion for one another. So we're interacting in social situations with logic. Oh God. And it's so gross because it's like, will this friend get me more followers? Will this friend be helpful for my business? Will this friend show, you know, show up for me when I need something? So we've created this community around a lack of intuition and a lack of connection where we've cut, been cut off from our own internal empathy with ourselves. And therefore we reflect that out on our communities and we see that in the world. It's this ripple effect. So the more that we're staring and using our brains and not in, invite, not inviting movement and not using our bodies, we actually create a less compassionate society. And so for me, I mean, this is like, this is a soapbox <laughs> for me. It's like, if we want to change the world, if we want more peace in the world, it comes back to finding all the places in our body where we're at war with ourselves, feeling them, expressing them, and then excavating the places where we are, we actually want to be at peace and harmony with ourselves first, ourselves first. And then we will have a ripple effect into our friendships, our communities, and that's how we change the world. I love that. So intuition is going to change the world. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's so neat. I had never thought of it that way, but it kind of makes sense if you're, I mean, not that logic needs to be there, but if your body isn't like feeling fully safe in itself, and as you said, if parts are disconnected and there's not full coverage and full support all over, like why would it function and, you know, have intuition be running when your your own home and your own space is not like first taken care of and first like mm -hmm. supported and built up so that's so interesting and I I guess I like that perspective with the community and connection aspect too because um I think that's a that's a big piece coming up in I think my life personally and I'm sure many people could feel that as well where when you're in social interactions, you know, sometimes you just don't know what approach to take. And we do so many of us, I feel, think of it as this like logical mind game of like, what do we say? And as you said, like, how do we hold our bodies? And am I supposed to be professional or more fun yeah. or flirty? Like it's, it gets to be exhausting and it is yeah. all such a mind game versus I'm even reflecting on times when I feel I have been in body and I have just been myself and it's such a different experience versus playing that that mind game with it all so if someone is listening to this all and they're like okay I'm definitely like living in the mind I have a lot of fear a lot of stories maybe they have some like physical pains they're working through um they have the breathing that they can go to and then when it comes to like actually like excavating Mm -hmm. like getting in there and getting that stuff out. Are there practices, like certain things you suggest um, mm -hmm. just in case like they want to take it a step further and they're like really want to dive into this, whether it's like with some sort of practitioner or on their own or with some support group. I just, if people are resonating with this, I want them to like actually have the just like to go out and like make a change and take an action versus just thinking. Yes. 
Well, first thing that I recommend is, you know, this is why Body Church was created. So um, we've got a couple of ways to that you can you can be held through this process. So we have a community, um, and right now, right now I'm not charging. Right now, it's just a free experience where we do this spirokinetic breath, show up Saturday mornings, um, and be a part of this community. Um, and so uh, I'm going to share with you um, a code to be able to, you know, as as this membership starts to grow, um, I'd love to give your listeners um, access, at least get that first class free nice. um, and give them a discount on the membership. So at Body Church, there's the group class, which it's more of an experience than a class because I'm just holding a space for you to unwind. And I speak in an improv poetry the whole time. So there's this cadence at which I deliver the poetry. It's just all in rhyme that actually activates something in your brain. And so I'm speaking at a cadence and in the in the um the notes, I guess I would say, the levels and the the tones that are putting your brain in a certain brain state to be able to actually allow your body's intuition to come forward. And so the whole experience is led by me, but it's actually led by your body. So I'm just holding the space and you're in the breath and every session is different. So if you're dealing with grief, we're holding space. And so you can get out of your head and into your body to express that grief. And you emerge feeling so much lighter. Even if you don't have an understanding, your body does. So that's the that's the um, the body church class where we come together as a community. There's also opportunities to, if you know that you're you're wanting to stretch into a new archetype, for example, if you find yourself really like not taking up space at work potentially or with friends who you just like tend to shrink in their presence and you're like, gosh, why do I always do that? Why am I not standing in my power? Why am I not exerting my boundaries? And I just fall into this trap every time. It's not you. There's no shame on you. It's a story. It's like a last time you stood in your power, you got your mouth popped, you know, like you got your butt smacked. And so of course your system's like, I don't know why I just, I can't stand in my power. Or you you had a dominating parent or a tyrannical parent. And so the last thing you want to do is hurt people because you know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And so we've got these different archetypal courses that you can go on. And so I bring groups together and we're all like, hey, we really are excited to step into our dominance, to step into our power, to step into our dragon archetype where we are protecting ourselves. And in order to stretch into that dragon archetype, you also have to meet the opposite. You also have to meet the vulnerable, the submissive, the I've completely given my power to this other entity. So we stretch on both poles. And so the same goes for masculine feminine. So we stretch. If you want to step into your king, great. We're also going to meet what's not the king and everything in between. We're going to meet your little boy. We're going to meet your Peter Pan. And, and no matter what body you're living in, everyone has a little girl, a little boy, a little person. So it's an opportunity to come and take an embodied perspective that's mixed with science, that's mixed with breath, that's, that's practical ways to stretch into these 
personalities, these archetypes that if you can access them, you can show up in any social situation. You can show up in your power. You can show up in your career. You can show up in your creativity. And when you meet those opportunities, you're not afraid. It doesn't, you're no longer reactive. And so you can be in that flow state more often because your body is in the present and is not going back to the past. So I would definitely recommend checking out Body Church. And then for personal, like as a supplement, um, finding someone who does somatic release, somatic experiencing. Um, these are some words for that you can Google search for practitioners in your area. Um, network spinal is really, really powerful. Um, so network spinal, um, what's another one? Um, oh my gosh, IFS, internal family systems. Mm. So, so basically <laughs> body church is if IFS was a group experience <laughs> and you were able to bring your parts to actually be able to play. Um, so body church allows these parts of you, like, for example, if you're like, want to meet your inner, um, little boy, your little, little playful kid, like you're like, man, my kid just wants to play. You can bring that to body church and like embody that character, put on that mask as if you're on a stage and breathe through it and tune your nervous system while you're embodying these different archetypes. So I could embody you. You could embody me. You're like, I want to, I want to grow into my inner Liz, you know? Uh, but I'm like, I want to grow into my inner Emily and I can breathe with using you as my muse. And so we do that. I'm like, I can be a tree. I can be an eagle. I can be a, we hear about these spirit animals. So you know, it's like, I want to breathe. I want to be, I want to embody a lion. And so each one of these energies has medicine. And so um, being able to entrain or tune our nervous systems to be comfortable in all of these archetypes allows us to show up as our true selves in more moments rather than being in fear. And it's like the most peaceful way to live because you're just, Hey, this is, this is what re what's required of me in this moment. I'm not too big. I'm not too small. I'm exactly where I need to be. And, and I'm at peace with it. And so it's, it's a really, I don't have much stress in social situations unless something triggers me, but then I'm like, Ooh, medicine. Cool. Like let's breathe through that. <laughs> um, but it's really, yeah, it's really, it's really powerful. Mm. And what you said in the beginning about the mind doesn't have to like know or understand because the body, the body does. I think with everything you've shared and any of those, whether it's through like somebody does go to body church or they work with a somatic practitioner, whoever, and whatever it ends up being for me personally, that lesson of letting, letting, not needing to know, not needing to fully understand what's happening. Why is this happening? Not trying to create a story around it just knowing that I came in feeling this way and I'm leaving feeling this way and I'm going to trust that whatever happened, happened and let it go, come back, be there at peace with it. So um, if people are listening to this all and their minds like already trying to figure out like, wait, but that and that like, just let the mind go. <laughs> Yeah. Observe it. Observe your crazy mind. Yeah. Watch it, watch it. And just be like, oh, and then be curious about it. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed about my mind every day. will do the craziest stuff and I'll think all these stories and I'll make, make meaning of things that it's not even the meaning at all. And so, yeah, full invitation to just breathe and be, and my friend Desi Valentine shared this with me. Uh, he's an artist and a, and a healer. He shared this with me recently. 
He said, trust everything and question everything. Mm. So all of your thoughts, trust them. They're telling you something and question everything. All of the things that feel like a full body, a hundred percent. Yes. Trust it and question that too. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be taking that with me too. Yes. This is just such a gift. So thank you for sharing and showing up. And I'm so excited to see how things shift in the coming times with more and more of this becoming mainstream and accessible. So thank you for playing such a part in that. Oh my gosh. And thank you. Thank you for being so curious and for, um, excavating your own tension in order to really grow into the person that you're destined to be you know we're all on this journey and so you set the you set the example for those who are looking to you and then that inspires them to set the example to those who are looking to them and so thank you thank you for just being curious enough to even to even go here you know thank you and where can people find you connect um check out body church and everything that we were just discussing. Sure. Yeah. Um, I recommend going to bodychurch.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to lizletchford.com. Um, I share often my poetry, my musings, um, some, some little words of wisdom and funny little things on my Instagram at Liz Letchford. Um, and if you have any questions or if this really touched you, please send me a message. You can contact me through any of those websites um, or or access points. And I'm, I'm really excited to get to know you and get to know your story and would love to welcome you into the Body Church community.